we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. I'm Muckbill Yabaro in for Sunny Young. Today's show will be filled with English Premier League action as well as more AFCON updates. We'll be discussing all of that with my VOA colleague Mike Hove. We'll also have a sunny side of sports highlight for 2023 from Lamech Messina on the Malawian women's football team winning their first Kasafa Cup. All that and more on the December 27th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Starting off the show with all things football, English Premier League matches, as well as AFCON updates. On this segment of the Sunny Side of Sports, today I have with me my VOA colleague and my guy, Mike Hove. Mike, welcome to the show. What's good, brother? What's good? Going great, going great. I know you're feeling yourself and your team, Manchester United. Uh, came away with one of the most impressive um, comebacks of the season. So let's start English Premier League, Manchester mm-hmm. United versus Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Villa goes up 2-0 and mm-hmm. your team, the Manchester United Red Devils, are able to come out with a 3-2 win. Talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit about that game. What were your thoughts on Man. it? How were you feeling about the game as it was progressing? So, I won't lie, yesterday kind of reminded me why I'm a United fan. You know what I mean? I remember growing up, the beauty of being a United fan was knowing that the team would always come back. United mm-hmm. was that team that, down to the last whistle, you knew they were fighting. Like, United was that team that would come from 3-0 and come back 4-2. You know, like, United was always that team that would always go down to the end. Um, you know the saying, it's never over until the fat lady sings. United, right. that was just, it, it literally just displayed what United was. And yesterday just gave me the perfect reminder. Um, I won't lie, when we were 2 0 down, I was like, oh, here we go again. Lord. Um, lately, being a United fan has been one of those things where you just, you go into it and you're like, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> just another roller coaster. But, you know, when Ganacho, when he was putting up those performances, I will not lie, Alejandro Ganacho is one player that has really impressed me this season at Manchester United. Um, he, he, he has reminded me, he's given me that CR7 spirit, you know what I mean? I see why he idolizes him, I see how he plays so imaginably. And I'm not just saying this based on yesterday's game, Alejandro Ganacho, out of all our forwards, is the one guy who really has put up consistently. Um, in comparison to everybody else. So yesterday, Alejandro Ganacho scored two goals. In fact, one was disallowed, so it could have been three. He could have had a hat-trick, but it was two goals. I'll still give him that. But the most beautiful moment was finally to see a hundred million investment pay off by seeing Hollywood score his first EPL goal. That was a very, very beautiful moment. You could see it in his celebration that he was just like, oh, Lord, the floodgates have finally opened. The heaven's gates, the pearly gates to scoring more goals have finally opened for Rasma Koylu. So yesterday's game was really beautiful, man. As a United fan, I was really excited. Um, after that 3-2 victory, it was, oh, man, it was such a roller coaster for me when it was 2-0 down. It was really heartbreaking. I thought, here we go again. 
Um, but man, once again, like I said earlier on, in our, as I started off this whole analysis, it was really beautiful to see the Red Devils be the Red Devils once again. Yeah, no, pushing through, pushing through. For me, the, the most impressive thing about uh, United was not necessarily how they got um, coached or managed, because I'm still not sold on Ten Hag. Uh, is of course. I, I will say this though, I was impressed at the fact that the lineup that he had. Um, is a lineup that I can actually get behind, you know. This is a lineup whereby, you know, he had Rashford and Garnacho playing together, mm-hmm. took Anthony mm-hmm. out of the lineup, which I think um, Anthony has not proven himself uh, to be worthy of that starting lineup. Absolutely. So, you know, he does that. He gets Wambisaka back in rotation, uh, who is, to me, arguably one of the best one-on-one defenders on the wing. Um so I, I like what he's doing with this team. I think he was just trying to figure it out. But having Rashford, um, Garnacho, and, 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 and Bruno Fernandes right behind Holland to play in an actual real... See, the, 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 to me, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the number eight position is really not... Like, it's not utilized as much as it used to be utilized, right? The legendary eights, right? The kakas of the world, right? That position... Nowadays, it's not utilized, but I think with that lineup, it it worked out really well. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm very impressed, and I hope to see United stay on form, man. Because you know this this is a team that definitely has a lot of star power, a lot of quality, um, and they're sixth position right now, so they're not out of the you know contention That's of at least breaking top four. That's another thing I was about to highlight. Is it was really exciting. It was a good way to end the year. Um, <clears> and sixth place, just about two points up. From fifth, so it kind of revives that hopes of we could make top five, and it's right. very make Europa, Europa League next year. Right. That was really exciting. But at the same time, another thing I want to highlight, you know, for a very uh, for the past, I would say, couple of days, uh, I can't put an exact number. Marcus Rashford was really disappointing. Yesterday's performance reminded me why Marcus Rashford is that guy, and why people really shouldn't talk about him. Uh, in a negative manner. Yesterday's performance, he really turned it on. He gave us the Rashford that we used to. He gave us last season's Rashford, that glimpse of it. Um, and so, once again, like you said, I, I, you know, hopes on is the United fan. I, 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 I won't really be like that guy who, like, oh, we're going to win EPL or anything like that. But it is exciting to see United turn it on. And it is exciting to see that Ten Hag's, uh, the police that the, the upper management had in Ten Hag, Yesterday worked out, and, and um, I can only hope that from here it really materializes. Um, that, to me, I also want to point out, maybe there have been other games, um, but that was the first time that I've seen Rashford and Garnacho play together right. in the starting lineup. Typically, it's Rashford or Garnacho, and on the si- other side, it's Anthony. Right. Um, so to see that happen, that was really... Initially, when I saw it on the lineup, I was like, oh, this is really, you know, kind of gave me eyebrows to be like, oh, but to see, to see how it worked out, that was really beautiful. And it was also exciting once again to see how the Wonder Kids can play on both sides. So Absolutely. I love the fact that, you know, this was also against an Aston Villa side who has been absolutely on fire, you know, giving okay. Arsenal uh, a defeat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a couple weeks back, they're in third place at the moment. So this this is not a rollover team. Uh, Unai uh, Emery has really put together a very, very solid team. Uh, and for okay. them to not only go up 2-0, but to then 
give that up and not only end up in a draw, but to lose a 2-0, he's going to be having very serious talks with that team. So uh, look to see them continually get stronger as well. I don't think they'll let something like that happen again. They'll definitely park the bus in, in games moving forward. Now, if we're talking about some of these other games coming up, uh, you know, this weekend, long Christmas weekend into Boxing Week, uh, is, is, is a week for uh, match day 19, basically 18 into 19. Um, I believe uh, today, Chelsea and Crystal Palace play yeah. Brentford and the Wolves, Everton, Man mm-hmm. City, Brighton, Tottenham, and Arsenal, West Ham. Of any of those games, do any of them seem really interesting to you that you want to chat about or... I would say three of those five games really stand out to me. That is Man City, Everton, Tottenham, mm-hmm. Brighton, and Arsenal, West Ham. The reason being, um, those are three teams that are all really fighting for that spot. Um, Liverpool yesterday pulled off a victory, so that was exciting. You guys, I believe, Arsenal are two points behind. So a victory uh, tomorrow would lead you back to that first spot that you, you, you've been fighting so hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, the, those three games, Man City... As the defending champions, people have really been watching them this season. They haven't, as the start of the season has begun, of course, they haven't really come out as hard as they typically do. But what I will say is, once again, just like they proved last season, it's a long race. And so Man City tends to be have uh, that ability that a lot of teams don't have, is that they have so many players, mm-hmm. so many top players, and they have an A team, B team, C team, D team. That could be an A team for a lot of teams. And mm-hmm. so Man City have the ability to turn on the burners as teams start feeling for teams towards the end. Um, so it, it, these three games are a game to watch out for. But the one that I really, really will look forward to is Brighton Tottenham. Both teams playing exceptional football lately. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to those, those games. Yeah, no, uh, Brighton early on in the season was, you know, in that top three, top four. They've gone a, li- a little bit down at the moment. They're in that ninth spot, but they have had a relatively uh, challenging schedule as of late. So like you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a long, long season. So I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, Tottenham is definitely getting back in the groove of things after having dropped uh, a ton of points and still in mm-hmm. that top four position. Uh, so anything is possible on their end as well. Switching gears, uh, Mike, uh, quickly to uh, AFCON. As you know, uh, I'll be in uh, Cote d'Ivoire um, for the tournament. You and uh, Kali and Sonny will be handling the AFCON podcast here, uh, as well as mm-hmm. other content coverage as well. Um, first question that I like to ask, uh, that I'm going to turn this into a staple question is, who is the greatest Ivorian footballer of all time? Greatest? Uh, it's going to be a toss-off uh, between Two legendary players, one for Man City, uh, one for Chelsea, that being Yaya Toure and Didier Drogba. Um, look, Yaya Toure is arguably one of the best uh, midfielders on the continent, up there, top five at the very least. Um, but I personally, I'm going to go with Didier Drogba. Now, obviously, the striker is always the glorified person. Uh, the more that you can put goals behind the net, the more that you stand out. And of course, the midfielder, the guy who creates the opportunities for the strikers, tends to be less glorified. I will applaud Yaya Toure for his amazing career and what he's been able to do with uh, uh, with Manchester City and other teams. But what I just want to say is, oh Lord, DDA Drogba, that guy <laughs> has given so many uh 
you know, I, like once again, I, growing up, I've always been a United fan, and so mm-hmm. whenever other teams come to a peak, I hate it. I absolutely despise it. But what I will say is, when Chelsea were at their peak with that classic team, with Didier Drogba up there, just pulling them time and time again with John Terry, Frank Lampard, that was an amazing team for Chelsea. Seeing the amazing golden moments that Didier Drogba has been able to produce is something that a lot of football fans across the globe will never forget. Uh, Didier Drogba is easily up there, top three strikers uh, from the continent of all time. Arguably, probably be Didier Drogba, Samuel Eto'o, and I guess now we're going to include the, uh, the young uh, guy, Victor Osimhen. Top three strikers of all time. George Weah? George Ware is up there too. Oof. That is very true. That Oof. is very true. We'll, 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 we'll extend that list a little bit. We'll break. We'll exactly. make it a top five. <laughs> um, so, so, so for me, Didier Drogba has to be the, the greatest Ivorian, in my opinion. Once again, that's, um, that's not to discard what Yaya Toure has contributed towards the game, but Didier Drogba just contributed so many classical moments. It's very difficult to take it away from him. Hey. That is uh, absolutely a very, very fair uh, take. I also would have to edge out uh, Didier Drogba, even though I myself am a midfielder. Uh, so I understand, the, you know, the lack of love for midfielders. <laughs> but you, you, you got to admit uh, what Drogba did, uh, just being iconic as he is, and me being an Arsenal fan throughout my whole life, and, you know, being a derby for us, uh, you know, Chelsea being in London as well as Arsenal, uh, never having really liked any of the Chelsea sides, but still... Um, respecting uh, Didier Drogba and what he contributed. He was, he was always the scariest player to play against uh, uh, growing up. So, yeah, I, I would agree as well. Uh, Mike, you know, we can continue this bantering chat for hours and hours and hours. Definitely appreciate you for being on this segment with me, my friend. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Staying with football, Malawi's national team made history in October by lifting its first Kasafa Cup trophy in South Africa. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2023, Lamek Messina reports from Blantyre, Malawi. It was all pomp and jubilation at the State House when players for the Malawi national women's football team popularly known as the Scorchers, officially presented the Kosafa Cup to Malawi President Lazarus Chakwera. This is the first time in 35 years for any national team in Malawi to win a cup at an international competition. Malawi last won a cup in 1988 when the men's national football team won the East and Central African Senior Challenge Cup after beating Zambia 3-1. President Lazarus Chakwera said Malawi's historic triumph on October 15th signifies the dedication and the commitment of the players. It is not by luck that you beat South Africa 4-3 in your first group stage match. It's not by luck that you dismantled Eswatin by eight goals to kneel in your second group stage match. It is not by luck that you disoriented Madagascar with the 3-1 in your third group stage match. President Chakwera also said it was not by luck that the Scorchers left neighboring Zambia dizzy with a 2-1 victory in the final. And it is certainly not by luck 
that you snatch the crown from the grasp of the defending champions themselves with a 2-1 victory over Zambia. As a token of appreciation, President Chakwera ordered the Minister of Lands to allocate plots of 30 meters by 25 meters and pledged cash of about $1,300 to all players and the technical panel. The rewards, including others, the Football Association of Malawi pledged are a moral booster for the coaches who, despite their win, received nothing from championship organizers. Osafa officials said there will be no prize money for the teams, largely because no sponsor came on board to carry the cost. But it said the prize money would only be given to the player of the tournament, the golden boot and the golden glove winners. According to the Football Association of Malawi, Malawi made its international debut in the Kosafa Women's Championship in 2002 when it was eliminated in the group stages. Over the years, the country has been unlucky until 2021 when it finished second after losing to Tanzania 1-0 in the finals. Adrae Demigogo is the chairperson for the National Women's Football Association. She says this year's victory is a result of a transformation the team has recently gone through, including the recruitment of new players and technical team members. We are happy to have made you, sir, and the whole nation proud. We promise you, Your Excellency, that with adequate support from government, donors, uh, private sector support, this cup will only be the first of many to come. And our dream is to put Malawi on the world map in women's football. However, sports analysts told VOA that it is now up to the government to provide a lot of support to women's football development by offering sponsorships and encouraging young girls to take up the women's football. At the moment, only the Football Association of Malawi is sponsoring women footballers with funding from the World Football Body, FIFA. Water Nyamilandu is the president of the Football Association of Malawi. He says the association set up necessary structures for the development of women's football across the country, and he appeals for more support from the private sector in the game. The coach has assembled a young squad with an average age of 17 years. It is a team that will take us for the next 10, 15 years going forward, meaning to say that uh, the success that we have achieved today, if nurtured, will be a continuous thing for Malawi. During the Kosafa Championship, Temwa Jawinga, who plays professional soccer for the Chinese club, Wuhan, was the Scotia's captain, and Love Mofazili was the coach for the team. Temwa, a younger sister to PSG player Tabitha Jawinga, won both the player of the tournament award and the golden boot as a top scorer with nine goals during the Kosafa Championship. For the sunny side of sports, I am Lamek Masina in Planta, Malawi. <laughs> Swinging it over to some basketball news in 2023, Subby's world-renowned auction house sold the game-worn memorabilia of two legends in basketball, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. My VOA colleague Gwen Noon takes us back to the start of the year when Bryant's famous number 24 Lakers jersey and the last Eric Jordan 13 breads went up for auction. Sporty greetings, Gwen. 
Sporty greetings, Mokeville. In early 2023, Sotheby's Auction House officially opened its online bidding for Kobe Bryant's iconic Los Angeles Lakers jersey. The number 24 headlined a two-part curated auction titled Zenith, featuring items of several athletes who have achieved unparalleled success. Brom Walker is vice president of Sotheby's and the head of streetwear and modern collectibles. He told Reuters News the signed Lakers jersey up for auction was worn by five-time NBA champion Kobe Bryant during his 2007-2008 MVP season. So this Kobe Bryant jersey was worn 25 times over Kobe's only MVP season from media day at the very beginning to the last playoff game before the NBA Finals. It was actually worn in 25 games, and he scored 645 points in this jersey. Walter called the autographed memorabilia the most valuable Kobe Bryant game-worn jersey of his career and expected it to fetch as much as $7 million, a much higher figure than Bryant's number 8 jersey from his rookie season with the Lakers. Kobe Bryant items in general have had a, a lot of precedent in a very high range, so you know, a Kobe jersey from his rookie season went for $3.7 million. Another one went for $2.7 million. Uh, and we just believe this to be, you know, a really exceptional item. Um, you know, he had only one MVP season. And to have something that he wore for an eight-month period of time and scored 645 points in it, you just think is, is really exceptional. Kobe Bryant spent his entire 20-year NBA career with the L.A. Lakers before he retired in 2016. Four years later, Bryant, with his 13-year-old daughter Gianna and seven others, were tragically killed in a helicopter crash in the U.S. state of California. News of Bryant's death sent shockwaves across the globe. Even now, he's still remembered as one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. And Brom Walker says Bryant's legacy will live on through a vast collection of photos and memorabilia for the lucky owner of the iconic MVP jersey. The jersey comes with a collection of memorabilia, photos, etc., that show the pervasiveness uh, of the jersey in popular culture. So it comes with a collection of photos of all the different murals that we've spotted, but it also comes with everything from trays that feature, you know, Kobe pumping his chest to, you know, cups to lamps to tickets, books, all these different things that, that feature this jersey, this image of Kobe Bryant. At the start of his career, Kobe Bryant was often compared to basketball legend Michael Jordan. And while Bryant famously said, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan, I only want to be Kobe Bryant, they are both considered two of the greatest players in NBA history. In 2022, the so-called last dance jersey Jordan wore in the 1998 NBA Finals sold for over $10 million. That jersey now holds the record for the highest amount paid for sports memorabilia, surpassing the $9 million selling price of Argentine soccer legend Diego Maradona's Hand of God jersey bought that same year. The second the second part of the Sotheby's Zenith auction features a 1997 game photo of Michael Jordan wearing the last dance jersey and talking closely with none other than Kobe Bryant, an image Brom Walker describes as a passing of the torch moment between the two NBA legends. So we have an amazing uh, Michael Jordan jersey from his last dance season, and actually notably uh, that Michael Jordan jersey was from a really iconic game against Kobe. 
Uh, and so there's a really great photo of the two of them kind of uh, hunched over talking to each other, kind of a passing of the torch moment between two of the NBA's greatest legends. In February 2023, Kobe Bryant's number 24 jersey sold for 5.8 million U.S. dollars. In a press release, Sotheby's stated Bryant's iconic Lakers jersey has influenced popular culture in a way seldom seen in the sports community, with countless murals and artworks depicting the late basketball sensation. Just two months later, in April 2023, Sotheby's sold a pair of sneakers belonging to Michael Jordan for over two million U.S. dollars to become the most expensive pair of sneakers ever sold. Walter said the sale, quote, speaks volumes of Michael Jordan's legacy as one of the most influential athletes, businessmen, and pop culture icons of our time. The game shoes also received a record-setting opening bid when the pair went up for auction. Walter spoke about that to Reuters News as the bid we're still coming in. So the, the estimate for the shoes is two to four million dollars. Um, and actually, when we opened the auction, we received a bid for one point eight million dollars, uh, which will actually break the world record um, for any pair of sneakers. Um that's ever sold publicly. The former Chicago Bulls star wore the Nike Air Jordans during a victory over the Utah Jazz in the 1998 NBA Finals. Afterwards, Jordan autographed the toe box of each shoe with silver ink. Those signatures, Walter says, are still intact, and the game-worn shoes are in immaculate condition. These shoes were worn in, in Game 2 of the 1998 NBA Finals. Um, and he, you know, he won that game. Um, he scored 37 points. Uh, they're in remarkable condition with beautiful, big silver signatures. Um, and you know, they're game worn by him. Uh, and so it's really kind of a spectacular specimen. In 2021, Sotheby sold a pair of Nike airships that Jordan wore in his rookie season for just over $1.4 million, an auction record at the time. But Brom Walker said he expected the Air Jordan 13s to break that record, due in part to its rebellious black and red design. In terms of kind of sneaker culture, there are two things about these shoes that are, are really special. So one is that they're breads. So, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, when he first started, you know, wearing Air Jordans or, you know, they were getting the Air Jordan ready for him, uh, he wore black and red ones, which were actually banned uh, by the league. And so they would, you know, receive a fine um, for for breaking the, the uniformity clause. And so bread sneakers, black and red sneakers have always sort of had this mythical um, relationship with, with sneakerheads. Uh, and so these are breads. Um, and then second of all, you know, the, this is actually the last signature shoe that you could buy while Michael Jordan was still, you know, a member of the Bulls that was sort of in stores, um, during that playoff run. The real-life events behind the creation of the Air Jordan shoe line and Nike's partnership with Michael Jordan was made into a movie entitled Air. And Brom Walker says the film helped reignite interest in Air Jordans. The Air movie has definitely heated up the sneaker market, I would say for sure. Um, you know, we're noticing interest across the board um, in, you know, original OG Air Jordan models. Um, and so... You know, I think that that film has certainly had an impact on the market.
2023 will be an unforgettable year for one lucky buyer who is now the proud owner of the last Air Jordan 13 breads that the basketball legend would ever lace up for an NBA game. And that is all from me, Mookbill. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. Making my way over to the boxing ring, Japan's Naoya Inoa became an undisputed world champion at a second weight on Tuesday after knocking out the Philippines' Marlon Tapalis in the 10th round. To claim all four super bantamweight belts, the undefeated Inoa, nicknamed Monster, sent Tapalis to the canvas with a huge right hand in Tokyo to add the WBA and IBF titles to his own WBC and WBO belts. Inoue, who took his record to 26-0 with 23 KOs, becomes only the second man to unify all four world titles in two different weight classes. American Terrence Bud Crawford became the first after beating compatriot Errol Spence for all the welterweight belts in July 2023. And that's a wrap for the December 27th edition of the show. Hope you all have a great day. I'm Muckbill Yabaro in Washington in for Sonny Young. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.